Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch community, and welcome to episode 57 of the 167 Podcast. I am Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor here at the Porch Community Church, with my good friend, media pastor, Josh Harrell. Hello, Joshua. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? <laughs> we could just pre-record that and just let that be. And you nobody know, would know. They would not even know. But Happy. The, but the fact that I hit it every time you is do. impressive. You do. And with such like vigor. Gusto. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Happy anniversary. Thank you. One year. One year of the podcast. That's weird. It I seems, know. It seems longer or not. It's, it's kind of like having kids. It's like you feel like you've done it for a long time, but then you also feel like you just started. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And we've done it. To me, it, anyway. Because we've done it for 52 consecutive weeks. We haven't missed a week. We have not missed a week. Yeah. yeah. And we have extras in there because we did the Holy Week yep. stuff. Do you think mm-hmm. we'll do that again this year? I don't see why not. It was yeah. well received. I think so. Yeah. Did some like little devotions every mm-hmm. yep. every day of Holy Week leading up to Easter. So. But so since you know this is our anniversary show, uh-huh. you know, we have... Musical guests, podcast guests, guests, fireworks. Yeah. Well, I mean, our budget wouldn't pay for it. Well, of there that. is a box there. here of confetti on on the table, made yeah. in China. Yeah. So, confetti cannons. Yeah. So I was hoping Pitbull would be here to do some sort of like a. Could we do like a mid mid program like with Pitbull? Yeah. Nope. I was thinking that would be awesome. <laughs> I don't know why. He just seems like the guy that does the he'd the be, halftime. He'd thing. be like an awesome hype man, I guess. I think he would. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, but no, Pitbull's not no, here. No Pitbull. Oh, all right. Well. All right. Before we get into anything we want to talk about today, we have we have something that we need to settle on record. Okay. All right. Yeah. What do you call a carbonated beverage? Coke. Yes. Yeah. Our kids' pastor. <laughs> Is a she's she's a weirdo. From is she from she she's from, from, from Ohio? No, oh, no. Her family's from Ohio. She was born in Pittsburgh, yes. like Pennsylvania. So either way, it's really way up there. Yeah, and so she was texting the staff this morning and mm-hmm. says pop. She's like, hey y'all, we got some pop. Oh, hang on, I did too. I was too country. It was like a southern. <laughs> Sorry, thing. that's not right. Yeah. Um. There's some pop. We get some pop in the in the closets. Yeah. And <laughs> and then she threw in another word. Soda. She threw in the word. She threw in the word soda on top of it. Yeah. And none of those words mean anything down here. Yeah. So if you have a Sprite, a Mountain Dew, <laughs> and a Coke, a tab. Sure, and a tab. Do you know what you call all of those? Cokes. Cokes. Yeah. Yeah. I Anyone else is wrong. Anyone else is wrong, and I have to say, I'm I'm very disappointed. My sister's going to come up twice today in this podcast because I already knew I was going to mention something else in this episode. But she has she married this guy named Colby, who's he's he's a good does she, does he's she a good listen? brother-in-law. I don't know if she does. I'm going to tell her. Go to ahead. Know. Go so for anyway, it. he's from he's from Missouri. His family's from Missouri Missouri or Missouri as they like to say, and it's close there to the northeastern Oklahoma where where they live. Anyway. I guess his his crew say pop. Mm-hmm. So now Bridget has my sister has been converted from just calling them cokes to pops, mm. and what, I'm very disappointed. What do they call them in Oklahoma? Um, cokes is what I grew up calling them. I okay. don't know if it's changed, but um, you know we're in that weird place in the country 
So like I didn't grow up eating grits, but we say y'all, you know, like oh, okay. those kinds of things. Yeah, but, yeah. but now grits are a little more well accessible. Known. Yeah. So um, I don't know. So I grew up saying Coke. As well, it's so. all Coke. Yeah. And if and if they say is a Pepsi okay, you go no. I would like a Mountain Dew. <laughs> See, and I would say no. I'll have a Dr Pepper. Mm. But but now I say I'll have an unsweet tea, please. <laughs> so you know that's it. So. But I'm glad we could settle that. Yeah, let, I'm just so, for the listeners. So. so if you see Kristen, tell her she's wrong. Don't give her any context. Just yeah, go, no context. Just, just go, you're Kristen, wrong. Kristen, you are wrong. You're and so then wrong. walk away. Yep. Yep. And if you could say it with like like some you know some like pure southern hatred <laughs> like bless your heart you're so wrong you are wrong like that so well so today's episode on this one year anniversary of the uh 167 podcast see we had already been um we had our, we have our channel mm-hmm. the porch mean church channel which we yep. were putting our our messages on anyway mm-hmm. but this is the one year anniversary of us doing the 167 yeah um, portion of this on, on our channel. So our podcast channel goes all the way back to like 2012. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty. I don't, I don't know if I want to listen that far back, but okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um. So, <laughs> but yeah. So this is the one year, and um, it's been a, it's been a good ride. So, um, I, I'm I'm enjoying it. I look forward to it. It challenges me. I think it helps me in most ways. We try to you know, run kind of parallel. Uh, every now and then we'll go a little bit different, but we try to run in at least, you know, the seasons of the church or where we are in a message series or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe culturally context, something that's big that's going on. But right. um, just overall, I've, it's, um, I certainly don't view it as a drain or a, um, like a, like, a, oh man, I got to go do that podcast thing. For, for me, it's been one of the highlights of 2021. It's, probably the most excited content we've we've started that uh we produce weekly it's probably my favorite yeah you were speaking of and this sounds like we're tooting our own horns here but um which is better than just tooting because yeah yeah. yes but um you mentioned something in our ministry board meeting last night which i was not aware of as far as what is uh our content and what's being consumed right now that you're seeing in regard to the podcast, oh, that that it's being uh, consumed four times more than our YouTube post Is, was that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know. Yeah, excuse uh, me. Just for snorting there. People would rather listen to us than see our faces. <laughs> I t- I have a face for radio. But then I but then I also get. <laughs> it's not like it happens weekly, but I will. I wish y'all had at, a video. At least mm. twice a month, I get that. Yeah, and it's different people. Really? Yeah. But what they're gonna do because I do this? Yep. For a video, turn it podcast. on. But I turn listen. it on and I don't actually watch exactly. it. Exactly. But every now and then you want to know. So I don't know if I want. What are they doing? I don't know if I want to invest the time to edit the video that no yeah. one's really going to. And watch. most of the time, I'm 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 juggling kittens. I've got, um, you know, like a, I've got a cigar burning here on the side and an ashtray. Just kidding. So just like um, the Joe Rogan <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah. So no, no smoking. Um, hey, so we started a new series. We did. We started a new series last uh, January 9th and um, called The Bible, which is... Yeah, yeah, so, yeah that's funny because the like Thursday before we started it, I just posted the, uh-huh. um, the image, image. Yeah. And new series, The Bible, no uh-huh. other context. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many... Like, I knew it was going to be like, well, duh, of yeah. course we're going to be in the Bible. But like people are like, what are you? What are you talking about? What are you talking? Like it sparked a lot. Like not on the comment sections. I got a lot of text messages. That's funny. 
Yeah. And then I, I put a little little blurb in there later in the week, not because of a response, but just like, yeah, just one of those comments I made in the message about, mm-hmm. you know, the words of people is, is information, mm-hmm. but the word of God is transformation. Yeah. So, and that's, I really think, we, I didn't think about that like beforehand as we were developing the series. It's a really um, good tagline though. But it's, it's kind of the, the base, mm-hmm. the baseline for it. So yeah, with the series, um, we were talking, we were talking about the Bible and the first week, you know, it was like, Hey, so let's start like square one, square one a, <laughs> um, which is just, what is the Bible? Right. What is it? And so we went into that and then we're not, I'm not going to regurgitate everything that we did on Sunday. I encourage you to go and listen to the January 9th, um, message on the podcast or YouTube or wherever you watch and listen to things. It's um, a lot of places, but in parallel to that running alongside of that, um, I want to talk a little bit more and go a little bit further out. And we might even touch on some some things we've mentioned before about just the authenticity of the Bible, mm-hmm. the authenticity of it. And as we get into it, I mentioned I was going to, my sister, I was already planning on talking about her today. Because anytime I hear the word authenticity, anytime, mm-hmm. I think of this story that my sister, uh, Bridget, told me. And it is just wonderfully... It just wonderfully describes um, the ignorance of humanity. Oh, I thought you were so, going to say the ignorance of your sister. N- no, that's other stories I have on that. So I figure if I trash talk her enough and then I tell her I'm trash talking her that she'll, she'll listen. She'll listen. So anyway, um, no, so my sister has this story. So um, my sister's eldest daughter, uh, Hannah, who is, I believe, 23 now, which is crazy to me. But Hannah is a wonderful wonderful human being and is wonderfully beautiful her dad is his parents came over from vietnam during the vietnam war crazy story about that um anyway so they are here in the states and so um so he is vietnamese i mean and and so hannah is if you notice a lot of people who have different ethnicities yeah ethnicities yeah um, are absolutely stunning people I mean, when I think about Adam and Eve and what in in the garden, how like how absolutely stunning they must have been. Yeah, they're probably um, like because they have the makeup of all yeah, humanity. They probably had like olives. Like I mean, just dark they've had to skin. be just beautiful. Because when and I'm, I don't know when I when I see uh, people who have um, Asian uh, ancestry or ethnicity. Um, African-American, or I won't say African-American, African, um, uh, you could go into like the European, like when you see a lot of these, um, some of the um, like Eastern, Mm -hmm. and you can like uh, just, when you see someone who has all of those Mm -hmm. um, genetic traits, they are absolutely stunning people. Mm-hmm. Like so. Anyway, yeah. that's a side thing. I don't know where we're going with that. So anyway, so <laughs> Hannah is obviously... Um, she, my sister is like fair skinned, mostly blonde hair, um, kind of short. Um, you know, she's cute little, cute little white girl. Okay. That's, that's what Bridget looks like. Okay. And then there's Hannah, who's obviously has this, this Asian, um, ethnicity as part of her makeup as well. Right. Right. So Hannah is a little girl. Bridget's somewhere. I don't remember where they're at a store. I don't know what, but some ignoramus goes up to my sister and says this is, we're talking about authenticity right okay and says 
and looks at her and goes, looks at Hannah and goes, and then looks back at Bridget and says, well, what's her authenticity? <laughs> and every time I hear the word authenticity, I think about that moment because there's so much wrapped up in that. And so I, I know that Bridget was wanted to be like, well, her authenticity is the fact that she, she's here. And breathing. She's a person. Yeah. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> but then she was like, um, yes. And then she explained, like, I think a little bit of her background was like, why do you even, like, yeah, it wasn't, it was just funny to me. I don't know. That's probably a totally rando side conversation. Well, but, I see why you put in the emphasis on ethnicity yes yeah, yes yeah yeah instead of authentic but that was they were trying to do that and mm, anyway <laughs> so authenticity so we talked about this on sunday right in the first week of the series um when we talk about the bible when the bible comes up when we talk about its history and its authenticity mm-hmm. uh, one of the most common objections that may come up is to the uh, completeness or the accuracy of it. Um, you know, people will claim that it was pieced together, you know, way long, long time after Jesus. Um, there are people who will throw out that there are so many other Gospels and so many other letters that have been excluded. I mean, all these different um, things will come up, and usually not even from Christians. I mean, but sometimes yeah. it might come up. Um, there's the whole issue of the Gnostic Gospels, mm-hmm. um, which are um, just to give, and, and that's something we talked about a while back as well, but yeah. you know, after the first century of Christianity, kind of two, I would say, I want to, primary divisions, but really I think one was more primary and the other was a little secondary, but two divisions started to develop between Orthodox Christians and then people who called themselves Gnostics. And the Orthodox held to the um, Old Testament books, um, the books we now have in the Bible. Um, these were considered to be all, uh, they they lifted each other up, right, in, the, in everything. Um, the Gnostics held this different view of Scripture. They had a different view of Jesus, of salvation, of virtually every other major Christian doctrine. There were some really odd things that were being thrown in there. We're not going to go into the Gnostics on I, this episode. I just but. thought it. Gnostics were people that were agnostic that just didn't want to say the A. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm Gnostic. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm too lazy to throw a uh in there. Well, I mean, uh, we drop letters. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. Um, so, but with the Gnostics, they didn't have any, they didn't have any writings by uh, apostles to to give a lot of legitimate legitimacy to their beliefs. Um, but they, but these um, writings started to come up, and and even even now, there's there's some. Uh, conversation about were these were these actual writings that had the intention of of sharing or were they written to uphold a gnostic viewpoint which you know whatever but that's a good way whatever um there was the gospel of thomas there's the gospel of philip um there's a gospel of mary Mm -hmm. and this is what the gnostics called it um a library was discovered in southern Egypt in 1945, 1945, that had a lot of Gnostic um, writings and materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them, um, you know, kind of, and, and it really kind of stirred up this, oh, this lost books of the Bible, let's find this. Which is why I love the fact that the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in 1947, mm-hmm. which uphold, which now brought the the 
the earliest writings that we had of the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, mm-hmm. um, it made them a thousand years more accurate, yeah. closer to the source. Yep. Um, I don't know if you know the story of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Supposedly, a, I know a, shepherd, a shepherd boy was trying to get one of his sheep out of a cave uh-huh. and threw a rock in there and heard a crash and went in there to like a like a shattering uh-huh. and went in to investigate and he had um, shattered a clay pot that held the documents dead. and there were thousands and thousands of documents of and and some of them were in pieces you know of mm-hmm. like of these scrolls that were like lined up with what we already had and what we had been considering you know Christians had been considering to be orthodox and true and, and accurate. So mm-hmm. it's really interesting. Um, so anyway, okay, so the Gnostics. Um, when you think, when I think about the Gnostics and I think about the whole like, well, was there a gospel of Mary? Was there the gospel of, you know, this guy and that, you know, this person and that person and all that? It makes me think of, and I read all these books, but the um, Dan Brown books, and I think it started, well, I think his first big hit was the Da Vinci Code. Right. Which is not the first book. No, I think it was like Digital Fortress or something. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. but um, it makes me think about that because I think that book goes into it. Kind of plays on that whole backstory of mm-hmm. the Gnostics and all of that. Um, so funny story mm-hmm. about the Da Vinci Code mm-hmm. is you know how like some people like sneak into R-rated movies and they, because they want to <laughs> see like the new scary movie or like the new action movie and like. Because there's like 4,000 people die. (laughs) Yeah. The only movie I've ever snuck into (laughs) was The Da Vinci Code. Okay. um, What was it rated? It was, I think it was rated R. Oh, was it? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I, and I remember because I bought a ticket for Over the Hedge (laughs) and I went in and because Douglas is that it's a, even the new movies were a dollar. (laughs) Excellent. So I bought a ticket for Over the Hedge and went straight in to see uh, the D- Da Vinci Code. <laughs> were you like afraid you were going to get caught? And I did get caught. What? Yeah. Uh. Because I didn't I didn't look at, they had the same start time, but they didn't have the same end time. Oh. Da Vinci Code was like 45 minutes later. Yeah. Did you? But you saw the whole movie? Yeah. So you didn't get kicked out or anything? No. Yeah. yeah. I got in trouble by my parents who were picking me up. Oh, gotcha. Were you by yourself? It was me and a buddy. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> who's also a pastor. Excellent, excellent. So you're like, yeah, we snuck in to see the Da Vinci Code. Did it mess with your um, theology at all? No, but I, but because because there was like this news storm around the movie mm-hmm. and everything it was bringing up, like I think uh, Dateline did a special. Oh, like, yeah. Like they filmed it almost like, like it got as much news attention as The Passion of Christ did. So, like, Stone mm. Phillips was doing a special thing where he was reporting from Jerusalem to find out yes. if there was, like, all that kind like of stuff. looking for a stone in the floor to press it to see if it opened yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, Like, they were doing all this <laughs> stuff, and I was like, I just want to see what it's about. Yeah. And my parents were like, don't do it. It'll screw up your... It, I mean, I, no, I know I the difference between a movie and Yeah, and exactly. Life. Exactly. So, yeah. no, it didn't mess with me, but it. But the story is very interesting. It is. It is. Um, But, like, it just... I don't know. I the whole when I mentioned the Da Vinci Code, one of the reasons I I, I bring it up is because definitely um, that movie put out what well, I, it wasn't new, but like where people would say, okay, the church, meaning the Catholic Church at the time, 
They were just grabbing for political power. They were wanting to push people out who were not towing the line with them, who were not, um, you know, part of, of whatever the machine was, the, the, the church machine, as you would, um, or this branch of Christianity. So they purposely, you know, pushed out the Gnostics. So then the Gnostics had to kind of go underground and, mm-hmm. and do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I would see where the Da Vinci Code would screw you up if you're just uh, following... Christianity blindly, without have looked, looked oh, into anything, and that's what the Gnostic Gospels yeah. did. I yeah. mean, it sounded it sounds Christianese. I don't know if mm-hmm. that's, a, but like it's not. Like yeah. it sounds like it might have a ring of truth to it. Yeah, which brings us into the whole idea. This whole idea of authenticity, mm-hmm. of accuracy, of canon, which we talked about Sunday, but we also talked about it in a previous episode. Um, if people want to go and listen a little bit more about the canon. It would be episode 29 of the 167 podcast. Yeah, episode 29. And unfortunately, that's one of those ones where it was before we started labeling stuff like that. Yeah. So it's early on. So just go episode 29. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but so I mentioned um, Sunday, but the the word canon, it's it's not like a military, you know, like weapon. Um, but it comes from these the rods that, that people um, would use. They're made of papyrus. Um, and they were cut and then marked at standard lengths to to show like a consistent measurement, you know, a standard. Yeah. And so a cannon was like a modern day. They, it's what we would call like a ruler today or a measuring tape. Um, and so the biblical canon is what we would consider to be those books that measure up that meet the standard according to inspiration and authority um, uh, from the Word of God. And so the church's task was to it w- here, think, think about it like this, and I think this is an important way when you think about the canon and when you think about the Bible and all these things, mm-hmm. Josh, is that the church's task was not to grant authority, stamp approval, um, and, and inspiration on something, but to discern which books were already measuring up. Yeah. And I think that's a very important distinction to make. Mm-hmm. Um, that these were already books and writings and letters that were being um, lifted up and, and standing the test of time. And I would say the Holy, Holy Spirit's inspiration within the church for people to say, yes, this is true, mm-hmm. you know, to agree with it. Um, I think branding and PR and hype men has been around for a long, 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 long time. Joshua. Oh yeah, just just the fact that we have we have one. Excuse me. Uh, doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean I'm I'm cutting edge because this, <laughs> they've had those for years. Yeah, and and I say that because I think one one of the best ways for early um, Christian teachers to get people to read and believe their teaching. I say Christian. I could use that with air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was to claim that one of the apostles wrote it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get someone to read your stuff, mm-hmm. then you know branding's a way to go. You yeah, know, throw in, throw in John's name, throw in you know Paul's name, you know, throw in one of these. So this was the case with the Gospel of Thomas because people knew of a, of, of a Thomas. The yeah. Gospel of James, different from the Book of James, but there is a Gospel of James that's in the Gnostic Gospels that has not. It does not meet the canon. It does right. not meet that level of authenticity. And and then there are like check marks that something has to 
Right. We'll look that, at those in a minute okay. for sure. Yeah. But there's a book called The Apocalypse of Adam, which, I mean. Ooh, that whoa. sounds fun. Or The Acts of Peter, which is different mm-hmm. from the book of Acts or the books of one and or the letters of one and, and two um, Peter. So most of these works, um, so they've got this Gnostic viewpoint, which by and large, the Gnostics claimed that they had a secret teaching. Of mm-hmm. Christ, that that there was more to the message than what was just being said. Um, super focused on um, the body, flesh, flesh and spirit, flesh bad, spirit good. Um, there was this just this whole philosophical aspect um, that was. It was just it went off course, right? From from Christianity because when you think we're made in the image of God, so mm-hmm. our flesh is not bad. Are we prone to sin? Yes, mm-hmm. um, but so, that's a whole other thing, right there. But so this <laughs> teaching it started creeping into the church early on, very early on, and most of the scholars believe this was um, this was the primary false teaching that you find Paul writing about in um the epistle uh to the colossians that when he when he's talking about this teaching this false teaching in the church that he's actually speaking against the gnostic um teachings of going on so so how however these gnostic writings um they, they weren't old enough they're they weren't credible enough or faithful enough to biblical teaching f- for them to be considered to be included in the canon. Right. If they had been, then then they, they would have been included. Um, there is an early church apologist, and by early, I mean like AD 160. That's early. Uh-huh. Arrhenius is his name. <clears throat> and he wrote um, in, uh, he wrote uh, in his, his writing called Against Heresies. This is in 160, okay? He says this, those who are from Valentinus... And that was one of the prominent uh, Gnostic theologians. He says, those who are from Valentinus are altogether reckless. They create their own scriptures, boasting that they possess more gospels than there really are. Indeed, they have gone to such a degree of audacity as to entitle their comparatively recent writing, they've called it the gospel of truth, though it agrees in nothing with the gospels of the apostles so that they have really no gospel which is not full of blasphemy. Boom. Do we know which ones he was talking about? Um, some of the ones I just mentioned. Thomas, um, uh, James, uh, Adam, the Acts of Peter, um, those, those gotcha. books. Yeah. So, I mean, he was just like, he, he just dropped the hammer on them. Mm-hmm. So there, there's, there's no clear evidence um, for the existence of those Gnostic documents um, that predates the mid-2nd century. And a, a careful comparison of teachings with those of the Gospels, of the real Gospels, shows them to be mostly later than and where they run parallel dependent on any, a lot of these Gospels, if they are even close to being, seeming to be accurate, they're very dependent on the four Gospels that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, right. and John. Um, so the leaders of the early church who discerned who were discerning, okay, which books were inspired and carried authority. They were very well aware of these other gospels and epistles, and they just didn't choose them. So it wasn't like, oh, well, you would have included them if you knew about them. No, they knew about them. They just didn't meet the canon. They didn't meet the standard. Gotcha. So um, 
they didn't um and so where like the da vinci code kind of mindset would be like oh you excluded those because they presented another branch of christianity no it was that the writings did not measure up to the word of god mm-hmm. that, that's why yeah. so so what are those marks that you mentioned those marks of canonicity i mentioned this on sunday as well um, but from the beginning the early church used this criteria to discern okay which books measure up to what you expect um, from the Word of God. So first, the books must be theologically orthodox, right? They don't contradict each other. The New Testament doesn't contradict the Old Testament. Um, you find a lot of times where the New Testament fulfills the Old mm-hmm. Testament, yeah. um, but there's no contradictions. Many of the Gnostic Gospels, however, were immediately dismissed from the canon because they just they, they were not in line biblically. Um, they weren't in line biblically with the teaching, Especially when you get into the whole thing about creation and salvation, they they just went. Oh, I've never read any yeah. of them. So I haven't I haven't done an in depth at all at all because I don't I don't need to. Smart, I don't know. Smarter people than me have said nope. <laughs> right. So so much in the New Testament teaches, um, like I mentioned, how Christ fulfills and expands upon the Old Testament, but not contradictions. So there's this continuity and this agreement. That, that really one would expect from God's desire to unfold his plan. Like, here, here is what he's doing. Um, so that's the first um, mark of canonicity is being theologically orthodox. And then secondly is that the books must be apostolic, right? Connected to an apostle. Right. So um, there was early agreement that the teachings uh, of the apostles and and other firsthand witnesses. I mean, that's how close it needed to be, mm-hmm. that those would be prioritized because they were there. Um, Matthew was an apostle who was present for most of what he wrote in his gospel. Paul was not technically an apostle of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus, but he had direct encounter with him on the road to Emmaus, and he mm-hmm. becomes an apostle. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke wasn't an apostle either. He wasn't, but he got his information from firsthand sources who walked right. with Jesus. So. Just as in research today, primary sources always give pre- credibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, if someone were to come with you with like, hey, Josh, I got some really important information. Do you want firsthand or do you want fourthhand? I mean, you always want you firsthand. Want free- I mean, come on. The fourthhand might be more exciting, it, of which, course. which is why like, people Gospels. want these because yes. th- this is so much different exactly. than what I've learned. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we've got apostolic, theologically orthodox, and then... A third um, way in which we can say this is canon, this is accurate, is that they must be widely shared, that these books and writings must already be kind of in circulation, if you will. They were already being read, studied, copied, um, transmitted as far as like, here, take this scroll, go to this town. Like they were already set above and said these are these are teachings of mm-hmm. the church. We know that Paul wrote at least three letters to the Corinthian church, but only two of them carried marks of canonicity. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that third one was the grocery list that I mentioned in my message on <laughs> Sunday. Um, but, but the other letters weren't extensively circulated, so they've just been lost in history. They didn't carry marks. That doesn't mean they, that there was something that, that, that was necessarily wrong. Mm-hmm. It just didn't meet that standard. So that, that does bring up a question i was going to ask if they find a letter that they know paul wrote uh-huh. but it wasn't circulated they wouldn't pull all the bibles from the shelf and reprint them with the new correct letter. that's right that's right um so we know um with the gospels and the epistles which carried authority inspired um i mean traveling christians that what they did i mean think about it like this 
if if you know it's true and you know it's real and you know it ha- and and you believe this to be true, you're going to put in the time to make sure that it's copied, that it's shared, mm-hmm. that it's and you know, you and I see our mentality is is um off here. We need to kind of think in the terms of that time period. You and I it wouldn't take much at all for us to find something to write on or pull out our phone and make a note on something immediately mm-hmm. to take a picture of it, um, to scan it, to do whatever we have to do to preserve something, right? Yeah. The, the, it's pretty much limitless, our options to preserve mm-hmm. something. Screenshot, screen grab, you know, like that's, that's what we do. Right. This was not, papyrus was the cheapest way to record, uh, write on something because parchment was a much a very involved process Process. um but even the papyrus was a process Mm -hmm. and you had to write it and guess what it cost money yeah and and so you needed you needed someone who was going this is this is true this is good we will invest the church will give money we will make sure this gets copied we will make sure we have people we will make sure we have scribes we will ensure that this is recorded and carried on because we believe this to be true mm-hmm. you know like a, a modern counterpart to it is like when you see like a musician pass away yeah and then they release all the unreleased yeah music yeah and usually there's a reason it like like <laughs> that post death yeah. album yeah. of like unreleased stuff is never any good yeah. Because of stuff that that person was they like, like eh, eh, I don't really it's want not it. great. But then you want, well, yeah. But, but if, but if their song or their story is good enough, they're going to make, yes, that it's solid enough that it needs, mm-hmm. they put power and money in to make sure that it gets out. And that makes total sense. Right. Which, so, and I want to bring that around because, um, the fourth, uh, standard, and then I want to talk about the, just the whole survival of it all. Cause I kind of jumped ahead, but that's okay. Was that they had to be considered to be inspired by the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that these were again, and I think that is so strongly connected to theologically orthodox. I mean, cause the Holy spirit's not going to, uh, you know, contradict it himself. So that's not going to happen. Um, so the survival, the, the, Think of it like this. The Gnostic texts are lost, not because, oh, darn, we lost those, And but if someone just would have... No, they're lost because they were not saved. They were mm-hmm. they were not invested in to be saved. Mm-hmm. The Gospels that you and I have were invested in to be saved. Like, it was a continuation, on and on. They, people wrote them, they invested in it, they made it happen. Yeah. So these ancient texts they, on the papyrus, they were very vulnerable. As a rule of thumb, you can assume that a scroll had to be copied at least every century, every 100 years. Okay? Oh, yeah. Um, if it was on parchment, it, could, it wouldn't take quite... The replacement could take a place a little less frequently, but preparing that skin and making parchment, it was really expensive... Um, and so most texts were on papyrus and they were subject to decay and, and, and disappearance. So you had to make, if, if something is true and you believe in it, you're going to ensure that it lasts. Well, yeah. But if you're propping up a lie, at some point that lie is going to break down. Yeah. And not even from a Christian standpoint, libraries in that day and age, Mm-hmm. Uh, because wars and sackings and all yes. that were very commonplace, mm-hmm. libraries would 
take make copies of their documents to send to other libraries to make sure that they if in if case it, theirs got burned it, to the ground if it was worth saving they made a copy of it to send out yep to another library to save it yep like yep th- and there's a reason these gnostic gospels weren't in those libraries right. exactly and and the go- gospels of the bible are mm-hmm. yeah so i mean it i mean you really break it down to that and it sounds very uh, like um Maybe takes a little bit of less of the spirituality out of out of it, but it really comes down in some cases to just straight up like logic. Like I think it reinforces this is good. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like it it created such a spiritual impact on that person. They're mm-hmm. like, we have to make sure that this stands the test of time. Right. Like, let's make copies. Let's get it out from just us, mm-hmm. because if the Romans decide to burn our library down, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. And and you think about and just like you were saying, like if there's if there are many copies of the same text, the chances of survival were obviously greater. I mean mm-hmm. that's just math. Yep. But but writers were expensive and text, you know, usually um, you know, you you had to make that investment as I've mentioned. A lot of these ancient texts survived in only one copy. I mean, some of them that we have, which shows how vulnerable that transmission process could be eventually. Mm-hmm. Um and so the best way really to conceptualize this whole process is that ancient texts always disappeared. Mm-hmm. I mean there yeah. are, there are ancient texts which we will that we we will never see. I mean there's movies that have disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so the publication of new texts was really um when you think about it, the greatest danger for the survival of older texts, mm-hmm. kind of like new movies, kind of yeah. push other ones out unless they stand up to well, the canon. Well, it, it's it's a perfect like talking about movies and these documents because it's it's almost the exact same thing of like early film mm-hmm. and ancient text. Yeah, because the way that the way the film deteriorates itself. So if you did it, like like literally like, like in it, the the film, you can put it you can put it in a vault. Yeah, you can, you can take it out of the elements. It's still going to destroy itself. Yes. Because that's the way that film was originally made, mm-hmm. just the way it was. And if the movie wasn't deemed yep. worthy, yep. they didn't make copies of it. Because why? It, it costs money. It costs and money. And time and yeah. people. And so like these movies that were made in the 20s and 30s, mm-hmm. like some of, some of them were groundbreaking and they were made copies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But others, they're just gone. Yeah. Like my, grand, my grandfather remembers seeing a movie that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it, ju- it just wasn't a timepiece that is that stood the test did, of time. Yeah. That its content was valuable to future generations. Yeah. So really, I think the question is not why certain texts in regard to the canon have disappeared, but why others survived, and it's yes. because they stood up. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second century, there's a man named. There's two. There's two schools of thought on how to say his name. Whether it's Marcion, which I prefer, or Martian. But, I like that one. But then it sounds like he's from like, you know, but it's spelled M-A-R-C-I-O-N. But Marcion proposed to reduce, this is, this is, I mentioned. I read it as Markian. <laughs> I mentioned Arrhenius a minute ago, but let me, he, he came on the scene to kind of push back against um, heresy and things like that. But Marcion proposed, and I kind of, I kind of feel for the person because I'm a minimalist in my life and a lot of things. Like yeah. I am prone to delete an email or a document and then go, oh, I need to go find that again and go to my recently deleted. Cause I just want to keep that, you know, I don't want, I don't want that little red dot with a number. 
on my emails or on my texts. I don't. That's come up a lot in the it, last couple of days. It has. It has. <laughs> what's your, what's your, where are you on your emails? What number are you on? Oh, shoot. I don't okay. know. Hold on. Hold on. Well, this is, so, this yeah. is worth knowing. Because. Oh. 6,065. No. No. And no. That, and that's since, you remember like. No. Five or six months ago when I lost everything on my phone? Yes. That's, this is since then. This is the one time that if we did have the podcast video, you would see me with my head in my hand and my eyes closed because I'm just, I can't. I can't with and, that. And I have 45 missed calls. But no. No. Okay, so so Marcian under, he, I'm with Marcian on this, but I don't agree with what he wanted to do. But here's here was his mindset. He proposed to reduce the number of Christian texts. So he wasn't saying these weren't Christian. He just was like, hey, can we um, can we bring these all in The Bible's kind of big. Let's yeah. make it a little more. So he, he argued that the Old Testament was really no longer useful because to, to a Christian believer, mm. um, and so there was really no need to waste money on continuing to copy it. I could see myself totally making a call like that and not saying I'm right, <laughs> but I, I just that's how my mind works. Yeah, I could see that. He even said, well, okay, we've got four Gospels, people. We like, only need one. Do we need, do we need all of these? Yeah. Um, let's just authorize one single version. And and you would get rid of some arguments of like, no, that was the Old Covenant. This is the New Covenant. Yeah, you know, but like, oh my goodness. Oh, you, I couldn't imagine yeah, no, not yeah. having. So, of course, several bishops, including Arrhenius, um, they responded to Marcion, and they they were like, okay, um, this, this needs... What we understand of of uh, who God is and His relationship to us, we need more than one account of mm-hmm. the life of Jesus, yeah. um, and so we do have the several Gospels. Um, that Christianity needs the the Jewish text. We need the Old Testament text to understand who God is and and how it brings uh, fullness to the gospel, mm-hmm. um, how it brings fullness to the New Testament, and what Jesus came to. Um, fulfill. Right. I mean, because otherwise it's not a New Testament, it's just a testament, unless there's an Old Testament. So um, so when you think about the, the Gnostic text and canon and all those things, mo- the Gnostic text, they didn't survive um, because ancient texts needed, they needed funding, they needed copyists, they need, they, they couldn't even recruit, I mean, they had to get people to write these things, and so they just didn't make the cut, and they didn't last through through time, but God's word, mm-hmm. what we have um, seen as canon, what has stood up um, that's theologically orthodox, that was connected to an apostle, that was already being accepted among churches and and um, theologians and teachers, um, even before it was ever bound and put into the Bible, mm-hmm. that it was deemed to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. All those things have held together, and as I said in the message Sunday, that history that archaeology um continues to prove this to be true not to counter it but to actually prove because it. we would find some we yes yeah without a doubt and so i just think it's i think the authenticity the the canonicity of um the bible is is very interesting and there were just some of those aspects that um, we really didn't have time to go into on sunday that i wanted to touch on today mm-hmm. and and just talk about why it was so important that there be a canon and a standard was because there were th- basically the Gnostic Gospels, but there were other random teachings out right, there right, right. that were uh, could have been fighting for a place mm-hmm. in what we know as the Bible today. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so that's kind of, yeah, that's what I want to talk about a little bit. Really, I don't have much more to mention than that. No, I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's about all. I, that's all I have to say about that. And that's all that, I'd like to say about that. Was that's that Forrest Gump? Gump? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't Great remember movie. Anything. Yeah. Good, good, good movie. One of those movies I don't remember the first time I've seen. Really? Mm-hmm. Just It's just always been it's there. It's just always been yeah. a movie I've watched. Yeah. Always been around. Um. So anything else you want to mention? What's going on? Um, well, um, I know we got some middle school parents listening to this podcast. Hello, middle school parents. Or fifth through seventh grade We apologize grade that you have a middle school. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I've got one of these. Middle schoolers. Worst. If, they if, smell if, weird. If you're struggling as a middle school parent, don't worry. It is literally the worst three years of their lives. See, it I, really is. I, it wasn't that bad for me either that or I was clueless. And I'm thinking now, as I look back. I think it was a little bit of both. I think I was just like tooling along in my life. I didn't, but I don't have like those horror stories of, of like hating middle school. I just don't. Now you didn't have like and, mean kids didn't have cell phones when you were in middle school. Well, I was I was probably the mean kid. Maybe so, um, that's probably another reason. That, that might be why you have fond memories. Well, I don't have necessarily fond. It was just kind of like a time period. Yeah. Yeah. But if my mother were still living, I'm, she could probably say I was real special. Mm. Um, so and that's, that's one of the things I miss about uh, ha- not having my mom in these moments of, like, life seasons when I would want to ask her, like, was I like that when mm-hmm. I was 10? Yeah. Like, when I was in fifth grade, was I like that? You know, because my dad, he didn't. Whatever. He didn't, no. He's like, I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> but, um yeah, middle schoolers are special. Mm-hmm. So we were we, we got off track there, but yep. middle schoolers. So we have a special weekend coming up for our fifth through seventh graders. It's called Journey Weekend, mm-hmm. and it is a great opportunity. The Journey. Yeah. The Journey Weekend. And it's a great opportunity for fifth through seventh graders to yep. kind of get the basics of Christianity, yes. like who God is, why the Bible's important, Yes. Um, what is salvation, and why you need it. Yes. Um, and it, it, and also... Just as important, it really helps. It gets. It's a two day weekend here up at the church, mm-hmm. so it'll really jumpstart mm-hmm. their uh, community. Yes. And at middle school, diving into your church community is probably one of the most important things you can do because it's really when you start getting pulled in so many directions. Yeah, like you start to really uh, try and figure out who your identity. Like, yeah. who am I? How? How am I perceived? How do I want to be perceived? How do I present myself? Yeah, yep, all you know? those things. And yep. you just get you're you're getting pulled by the students are getting pulled by so many directions, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, with with puberty and all that kind of stuff, emotions get really high, and and not getting your changing body. Yeah, and not getting correct messages. Yeah, can a, be devastating. A lot of incorrect messages. Yeah, so we want to spend a. Just a weekend uh, with our fifth through seventh grade students, and and share these really important uh, topics, but also have just a really a good time being together, mm-hmm. and um, like you said, building that community. So um, it, it's going to be a good weekend. So yeah, yeah, you can you can register online. Go to the porchcc.com, mm-hmm. click on the signups tab, and it'll be right there. Yep. Right now, it's the only sign up, um, and. If you're on the fence about it, I would I would jump all just do in it. because middle school now more than ever is really when is the first time your child's faith will be challenged. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Yep, very true. Well, hey, um, thanks for hanging out with this porch community in this uh, one year anniversary edition. Woo-hoo! Woo! 
happy Never anniversary, Josh. Yeah, I mean, I love doing this. I just wouldn't have figured we would have reached <laughs> a year already. I have I have enjoyed doing it as well. So, but thanks for hanging with us as always. Um, you know, if you if you find this content to be good, share it, let people know about it. Um, and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday and talking with you again very soon. Do you want to tell them what this week's about? Um, what is this week about? This is this is the downside to me always like I'm working ahead. Yeah, so you're much. already on the next series, aren't you? So yeah. Well no, I'm well well yeah, but no. <laughs> I mean I I go in phases. Like I have like the big picture idea. Yeah. yeah. And then I have you know, I start to bring that down. So um but this Sunday, January seventh, sixteenth, excuse me, uh, it's it sounds so wide open. It's like, what do we actually do with the Bible? What do we do with it? I I like that that the um, <laughs> it's so the like series and the kind of the title of the messages are so like broad. You have to you, you go, go. What do we do? You have you have to lean in and go. All right. What do we do with the Bible? I get that. Yeah. I know what to do with the Bible. I read it. Yeah. Well, but, we'll find out. So we'll find out. So that's what we're doing Sunday. So. All right, Porch Community, we uh, love you guys. We will see you soon. See you, bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.